Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, how you doing? Happy Friday. Sorry, this is put up a slightly little bit late today, but like I told you last week, my bathrooms are being renovated. So trying to find some time to record the podcast in between an awful lot of noise. That can be challenging at the best of times with three teenagers coming in and out, but it's even more so now. But anyway, we've gotten there. Thank you for coming along and tuning in. Um, Today, I want to talk about, uh, and we will extend this over the next, um, next episode or two, because it is a huge topic that we definitely cannot cover in one week. But I want to look at our parenting around social media, technology, etc., with a big focus at the moment on, on social media. So today is all about us having our eyes wide open as to what is happening with this generation uh, that we're trying to raise our kids in, in this brand new technological age. I think we have actually got one of the hardest jobs as parents to navigate our kids through this this new age of technology, internet, social media. It's it's literally a whole new world and it's moving so fast. And I understand it can be really intimidating because often what happens is our kids know far more in this space than what we do. And so that can intimidate us and make us kind of like back off and, and leave it alone. But we don't have the... Um, we don't have the time to do that. It's really important that we don't do that. And I want to encourage you to listen no matter how old your kids are, um, because like I always say, it's never too early to get some knowledge and wisdom for the next season, even if you've got littler kids. Now, I want to encourage you all, you don't need to know everything or keep up with everything to do with social media and technology. Now, of course, it's helpful if you can, but regardless of that, it is up to us as parents to parent our kids through this, not just throw up our hands and use the excuse, well, I don't understand it all, or this is just a losing battle. It's not a losing battle, okay? More than ever, guys, your kids need you. This generation need us to parent them well in this space. Every generation always has new challenges and parents can't shy away just because they don't necessarily understand it. We have to learn to understand so that we can do a better job of parenting them. All we do need is to be absolutely sure of what our values are around these issues. And then like every area of parenting, we have to work really hard and intentionally to pass these values to our kids. And so that's what I want to talk about. But I want to first motivate you by making you aware of the impact that social media is having. Now, it's not all bad, okay? I am not against social media. My kids all have social media, but I'll talk more about how to navigate the practicals next time. Um, so there is some good, but today's focus is um, 
is just going to be around the whole social media space and teenagers, probably from the age maybe 10, 11, tweens and teens. And I want to attack it differently because children and iPads and phones, all of these things all need a a space all of their own um, and time to discuss. So today our focus is social media tweens, teens. Um, And then, like I said, next week, I'll get into more the practicals of how to actually navigate it. What should it look like in your household? What did it look like in my household? What does it still look like in my household? Um, But for today, I want your eyes to be wide open to the impact and to what is happening to our children and our young people. Now, let's just define by social media. I'm talking Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, even TikTok, of course. How could I leave off TikTok? Um, Even YouTube. And to a degree, YouTube, obviously, it's not as interactive as the other platforms. Um, And any other social media platform that your young person might be talking about. Now, I've Obviously, this is probably my jam, this space, not just as a parent, but as a pastor and as um, someone that runs um, Youth Alive uh, Academy space. We work with young people all the time. Um, We work with people who work with young people all the time. And I've actually read a lot of books on this. So even this week at the Academy, we had an author, the author of what I consider to be one of the best Australian books on this topic, Hello Gen Z. Her name is Claire Madden, and we had her at the Academy this week, and she talked to the students about this very topic, and it was absolutely brilliant, and I highly recommend her book if you want to read up further. So let's first of all just define who we're talking about when we talk about Gen Z. You guys would probably know, you know, you've got the the very if you were to split all the generations, you started off with the builders, then you got the boomers, uh, then you had the Generation X, and then the millennials, uh, the post-millennials, and Generation Z, that is any, they are any children that are born from 1995 to 2009. So that will probably cover a lot of you who have had kids in those years. Now, any children that were born after 2010, they have always been referred to as the Gen Alphas or lately, this is probably a little bit sad, really, they're being referred to as the Generation Coronials, obviously after the coronavirus. I think it's kind of sad that that uh, the coronavirus is, is defining a whole generation. Um, so you guys would know, I mean, I don't know what generation you guys are listening, but every generation Most of you would be young people, but I know I've got a variety. But every generation has things that define them. So, for example, the baby boomers, they went through the Great Depression. And do you know to this day, anyone that I know, grandparents, um, anyone in that age group, they are so resourceful and they do not waste a thing. My mother-in-law, she uses, like she can open her fridge and pantry. I was telling this to someone yesterday. She can make a meal out of like anything. She's so resourceful. Whereas me, I have a fridge full and a pantry full and I still open them and go, I really don't know what to make for dinner. I need to go to the shops. I'm pretty bad. Um, 
Claire, the author I was talking about the other day, she was uh, telling us that her nana wouldn't even throw out the paper bag that her medicines came in from the pharmacist because she would find a use even for that paper bag. But now a couple of generations down the track, we're the complete opposite. You know, if it's broken, throw it out, buy a new one. I've probably never seen so much waste and rubbish because convenience and comfort are the order of the day. So what I find though that's most fascinating to me is that the more comfortable that we've become and the easier that life is, the more technology that's at our disposal, the more convenience that we have, the more unhappy our young people are and the more mental health seems to be on the rise. There seemed to be a resilience to the older generation that is devastatingly lacking now. And I am absolutely convinced, and it's not just my opinion, but a lot of research is backing it up. There are obviously a lot of reasons for unhappiness and mental health issues, but a really big one of them is this whole concept of being less connected than we've ever been before because of technology and because of social media. So what I want to encourage us to do, and this is so important as parents, it's so important as uh, leaders, if you are in any sort of leadership space or even job space where you're working with young people, is we need to understand this generation and who they are and what they're growing up with and surrounded by. But at the same time, we don't want to just adjust everything and pander to it, but we want to challenge it. Okay. So that's the tension, the tension between understanding, but yet not pandering, but challenging. So let me give you an example Um, so technology and social media, right, have given this generation a really short attention span and it's decreased their focus. So we need to understand this and meet them where they're at. Like I said, while extending and challenging them. So I have to do this all the time in the academy space. So for example, we use so much variety in how we deliver our curriculum. Like if you want to see the variety, go and jump on Youth Alive Academy social media, or it's also on um, Youth Alive QLD social media. I think I even put it in my own story. I put up a reel yesterday of like, you know, a bit of a snippet of our day. There's so much variety in how we deliver our curriculum. But I can also see that this generation have got such a short attention span that they don't want to, for example, read a book from cover to cover. Go and ask a young person, unless they're a bookworm and there's few and far of those between, ask them the last time they read a whole book from cover to cover. So one thing I do at Academy is book club where we break into groups and we have graze boards and like they were delicious graze boards, by the way, yesterday, like cheeses and dips. And, you know, think of a yummy graze board. We have sparkling apple juice. And then in our small groups, we read a chapter or two and then we discuss it. So what I'm doing is I'm understanding their short attention span. 
I'm understanding that they're not used to reading a whole book. So I'm making them accountable, but I'm breaking it down for them and we're doing it in a fun way. So by the end in about, and I picked a book that's not too long. So in about six or seven weeks time of doing this, we're going to have read a book from cover to cover. And then at the end, we're going to do what we call a global live, which is a a Zoom with the author. Uh, And we're going to interact with the author who is from overseas. So I'm understanding them. I'm meeting them where they're at, but I'm moving them to where I want them to go. And being a parent is exactly the same. We can't just go on the attack with this, especially when all of their friends are mostly allowed 24-7 access to phones, internet, and social media, and are completely unparented, a lot of them. And so we are just going to get our kids' backs up if we become those parents that say, no, 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 no. We do need to understand the kind of generation that they're in and the... um, the issues that they're faced with. But what I want to do before I talk about how we can do that, we need to work out why. You guys know I'm big on that, finding out the why behind the what or the why behind the how. And I want to open your eyes to the impact that this is having on them because if we understand the impact, I'm telling you after today and the next week or so, you will be far more motivated to put in the hard work and to actually persist and parent in this area because our kids' well-being literally depends upon it. So the following bits and pieces that I'm going to share with you are uh, from notes that I've taken from various books. Um, And there are a lot of studies that are being done since this is a new phenomenon with this generation. Um, You know, the studies are literally being done as we speak. And so I'm going to share what I know, what I've learned, what I've read, point you towards studies and look at what the implications are. And where I wanted to start was pro- is probably the most important area, and that's to do with connection. What is happening to our young people's connection? Because what's happening is they're going out less. This is according to all the stats and the studies. They're going out less. They're working less. They're doing less homework. They're involved in less uh, extracurricular activities. So what exactly are they doing? Well, we all know what they're doing. They're on either Netflix or Amazon Prime or Binge or whatever it is they're watching, and they're on their phones. They're on social media. So they they do have connection. You might argue, well, they've got more connection, which could be true, but it's not face-to-face connection like it used to be. So Hello Gen Z author, who I've mentioned a couple times, Claire Madden, she said a great thing yesterday that they've replaced depth for breadth. Let me say that again. Just let that one sink in. They've replaced depth for breadth. So in other words, for example, they've replaced deep relationship face-to-face with a smaller handful of um, friends, which so so they've replaced that that depth that they used to have of, of deep face-to-face relationships with more shallow connection online, but with more people. So that's the breadth. Okay, so they've replaced the depth of relationship with a lot more, but a lot more shallower. And they don't even have to leave their bedrooms now to have a social life. Like back when I was a kid, if I didn't leave my bedroom, um, I would have been considered a recluse. Now it's kind of completely acceptable. 
the number of young people who get together with friends every day has more than halved in the last 15 years. That's amazing. Social skills are on the decline. The ability to have face-to-face conversations is on the decline. You would notice that when they're texting that they use emojis in texts to make up for not being able to see each other. And so they're using the emojis as cues like body language. So you know, if they send a happy birthday, that's usually followed by party balloon and cake emojis to let them know, oh, I'm celebrating you. I'm I'm happy it's your birthday. Or if they're texting a sorry, um, they might write S-O-O-O-O-O-R-R-Y, sorry, followed by the sad crying emoji. So young people are not taking the cues anymore from seeing each other and using body language. So they're replacing that with these emojis. Um, young people don't go and knock on a door when they arrive at a house. Have you noticed that? They don't go and knock on a door. They're like, they're too afraid to. They text, I'm here when they're picking someone up. Um, they spend more time posting about life than living life. They're not getting to practice social skills. They're Um, you know, they're not, they're not obviously having to practice it because they're spending much less time face to face. So that's going to affect things like, well, how will they go then when they have to uh, go, go to high school and make friends, go to university and make friends, begin a relationship, go for job interviews. All of those things are being impacted. And if all of this connection on social media that's going on, if that was working really well, then you would expect happiness levels of our young people to either go up or to at least at the bare minimum to stay the same. But here is where it gets really real and kind of scary and really concerning. And we need to know this um, as parents so that we know the way forward. So the next little bit might depress you a little bit, but I need I need us to know it. I need us to have, we need to have our eyes wide open to what is going on so that we can then uh, parent better because when we know better, we do better. So there's a longitudinal study done by a company called MTF. You can look this up and it's been done with over a million teens in the US comparing screen time and happiness. Now it's quite in depth, but I'll just give you kind of the headlines. Uh, So basically teens who spend more time on screens are markedly less happy than peers who engage in non-screen activities. Let that one sink in deep because that's a real worry that teens who spend more time on screens are markedly less happy. Several studies have shown that more social media use leads to unhappiness, but unhappiness does not lead to more social media use. And there was no exception, no exception that all screen activities are linked to less happiness. But on the other um, flip of the coin, all non-screen activities are linked to more happiness. Okay, so kids that spend more time on their screen without exception are less happy than kids that are going out playing sport and doing all sorts of other stuff where they're face-to-face with other humans. Year eights, so we're talking our 12 and 13-year-olds, year eights who spend 10 or more hours on social media a week. By the way, that is not hard to do. If they spend 10 or more hours a week, they are 56% 
more likely to be unhappy than those that don't. So you might say, well, that's okay. My Eurasia only spends five hours or six hours. Well, the news isn't much better because year eights who spend six or more hours are 47% less happy. So it only drops 9%. And this is important to note that the risk of unhappiness, guys, due to social media is highest for younger teens, okay? This is really important. Younger teens are more impacted on social by social media than older teens. Year eights report, like I just said, 56% less happiness. Year 10s, 47%. Whereas by year 12, those that engage in social media, only 20%. It's still a lot, but there's still a drop. So younger people are more impacted with their mental health and their happiness and their well-being if they are spending too much time on their screens. So teens who visit social media sites every day are more likely to agree that they feel lonely, they often feel left out, and they wish they had more good friends. The loneliest teens are those who spend more time on social media. I hope this is really sinking in because this has a lot of implications. If you've got a young person in your house, how much time are they sitting on their phone? Do you know? Are you monitoring this? You know, if you've got a... um, Uh, a, a younger child in your house, are you planning for that moment when they're 12 or 10 or whatever age it is that they're like, mom, I want a phone? Um, because we, this is just so important that we know so that we can step in and be the parents that they need us to be. Year eights who are heavy social media users have a 27% higher risk of depression and social media does never spark, it does not spark joy and it does not protect against depression like non screen activities do. The joy that social media might give you is very fleeting, very quick. It's nothing like uh, the joy and the protection you get with your mental health when you engage in face to face activities with people. So let me finish with this with, with a story. Um, Oh gosh, I've got so much to tell you. I'm definitely going to have to do this more of this next week. But let let me finish off with this story, an example um, of Georgia when she was younger. And um, Instagram wasn't quite, it was just becoming popular when she turned 13. And she had uh, a girl that she used to watch on social media. And she was maybe two years at the most older than her. Christian girl, parents were also pastors. Uh, She had met this girl in person a couple of times and she loved her. She looked up to her. She watched everything that she did on social media. And if she did it, then Georgia wanted to do it. But I could see, sorry, that was literally Georgia texting me right now. Um, I could see the red flags as an adult just watching her online. And it did make me wonder where are her parents in all this? Why are her parents allowing this? And the only conclusion I could come to is that, I don't know, her parents didn't want to be the party poopers and thought, oh, it's going to be okay. And didn't understand the full implications of uh, the harm that social media can do. So this girl was obsessed with social media and she was also obsessed with posting herself. So she wore what I would consider 
inappropriate clothes, clothes that I wouldn't want Georgia to wear. Um, And of course, by the way, the reason that girls do this and post themselves in those outfits is because they get more likes, more love hearts, more comments than if they're wearing a big baggy jumper and neck to knee. You know what I mean? So that's partly the reason they do it. Um, anyway, after a little while, I mean, she was, this girl was all of like maybe 15 or 16, maybe. And she started a social media account, uh, about like another one on top of her personal one about celebrating who you are and your body and embracing it and all that stuff, which seems good. It seems good. A young person telling other young people to celebrate who they are, but I was watching and I just didn't buy it. I, my take from watching was that she was actually really ha- unhappy and insecure because I was watching her weight drop and drop and drop at the same time that she was saying, celebrate your curves. So I'm like, okay, you're obviously saying this because you feel insecure. And so the message was not matching up with the action. And Georgia would argue with me, but mom, this girl, she does that. She posts that and she wears that. And I would argue with her and I'd say, well, I don't care in our house, you know, this is what we do. Now, it really didn't take that many years, maybe three years later, two or three years later, it turns out that I was right. And she was very unhappy and very insecure. She had an eating disorder, major mental health issues. She closed that Instagram down. She opened another one with a a clothing line that didn't last long. She closed that one down. Then she opened another one and that one hasn't worked out and that one's closed down. Um, she's a bit older, she's married now. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but for Georgia, it was probably one of the best lessons because I was actually able to point that out and say, gee, I'm telling you when girls post like this and they're on their social media all the time, they're not more happy. They're not more secure. The Instagram account is lying to you. The pictures are lying to you. And it just made me really resolute to go with my gut. And so even though you might not have a story like that, listen to stories from people like me and go with your gut on this and don't be intimidated by how other parents are navigating this. Don't be intimidated. Now, I will give you some good keys on how not to be the party pooper parent and make your kid super angry with you. Um, There is a way to navigate it and I'm going to help you with that, but I think it's just really important and we've already hit 25 minutes and I'm literally like a quarter of the way through the stuff that I I wanted to say, but we will go on with this um, next week and talk more about this because it is such, it is probably one of the most important things that we need to know, important issues that we need to know as parents. And I think it is the biggest area where parents are not parenting their children. And it's funny because we want to give our kids everything, right? Like we think by giving them a phone and giving them internet access and giving them laptops and letting them on social media, that we're being the cool parent, the good parent, the the, the best friend parent. But it, it, this is why it's actually quite shocking to me that we're so um, easily you know, giving our kids access to this stuff when what we're actually handing them is a, is a device and a pathway for unhappiness, a device and a pathway for insecurity, a device and a pathway for porn addictions, for mental health issues, um, for all sorts of stuff. And, you know, if a strange 
guy came knocking on your door and said, Hey, can I come in? And I know your daughter and I just want to go and sit in her bedroom and visit with her for a while. You would be like, hell no, mate. And you would probably ring the police. If someone came to your door, a young person came to your door with a big bottle of alcohol and said, Hey, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm here to see your 14 year old. And yeah, we're just going to go have a couple of drinks in a room. You'd be like, hell no. Who's this child? Who's this kid? You're never seeing them again. So there's so many areas where we're like, no, 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 no. And we protect our kids, but we're not protecting them in this. We're giving them the phone. We're giving them the social media accounts. We're not checking what they're doing. And we're literally giving them a ticket to unhappiness and mental health and problems. Guys, we have to parent better. So anyway, I've I've gotten on a passionate rant because I'm very passionate about it because I understand. And there's so much more. I mean, I haven't even touched on yet what we're doing to their sense of... um, uh, the, to their education, to their to their brains, to their um, to their learning, to literally changing their brains in the way they think. So there's so much more to be said. So come back next Friday, and I'll continue on with this. Um, but thanks for sticking with me. And um, it's not all downhill, okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you tips, and it's uphill. <laughs> all right. So have a great week, and I'll see you on Wednesday. Bye.